We've been, we, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, um, which is uh, one of the four Gospels you find at the beginning of the New Testament, telling the story of what Jesus did when he was walking around on the earth 2,000 years ago. And we've kind of been going chapter by chapter. This week we're in chapter 7. And the Gospel, kind of, it kind of sets up because it's telling everybody about who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and the kind of things he was a part of. And uh, we're in the phase of the book where they're still figuring out exactly who this guy is. You know, we can always assume, you know, we can Monday morning quarterback the whole thing where we're like, oh, I know the answer to that. I know this. I know what this is like. I know what's going on. But like, you don't <laughs> always. But we have the luxury of looking back 2,000 years at what everybody was going through then and assuming that, you know, well, the answer is God and Jesus, right? And, you know, this kind of thing. But when Jesus is doing things in our lives, we have a lot of the same reaction that these guys do. We're like, oh, that too? Or really? You know, this kind of thing. Sometimes it's shocking in a good way. Sometimes it's shocking in a really conf confronting way. You're like, but I thought things were this way. And he's like, well, they're not, you know. And it's actually much better what he's saying, you know. And so we're in that, the middle of that part where everybody's catching on to exactly who this guy Jesus is and exactly why that might matter ultimately, you know, for the whole world and for me and for you and for the universe, all that kind of thing. And it's not... <laughs> the comforting thing we should take from that is it's, it's not always just obvious. You know, we, I think we like to imagine that if God does something, I'll just get it. Because I'll ju I just will. And I would, my question back would be like, why do we think that way? You know, and I don't think there's really probably that good of an answer. It's like, you know, it's not to say that if God's trying to communicate something to you, he can do that. Like, he can take, you know, take care of that. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, we assume we would always get what God is doing all the time. I'm not saying we all walk around saying that. Like, I don't say that, and I hope that you don't say that. But I think we think like that. Like, well, this thing, if that was God, I would know, you know. But you might not. You might, you might catch on. It might take a minute, you know. There's a humility in the following Jesus that's necessary. And you see in these stories here that we're going to look through today, people encountering Jesus, they don't, know, they don't always understand what he's doing. And it, that means it's okay for us to not always understand too, but you have to be like open and submissive to what he's, what he's saying and what he's doing. When you come to fight him, you're going to lose, you know, and, you know, that kind of thing. So, and he can handle himself in a fight. Look, we're going to, here's the outline of Mark 7. These are the three stories we're going to go through. Um, the first one, verses 1 through 23, is talking about what's, that which defiles. And then the next story is, a Gentile woman, is about a Gentile woman's faith and the healing of her daughter. And then the last is the story of Jesus healing another deaf, uh, deaf person. So, And the, the other thing that we're going to say, we're gonna, I want you to, this is important, but we're going to talk about it next week mostly because you're seeing a, a phase also in that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Jesus has prophesied to come even all the way back at the beginning of the Bible, that your, your seed will come and he will crush the serpent's head, and then Abraham is chosen, and from his descendants is going to be... So there's been this prophecy for a while that there's going to come somebody that's going to set things right. He's going to make these things right. And that um, the uh, Jewish people have been waiting for this, and there have been other people that had come around and said, hey, I'm the guy, and then they weren't the guy, you know, and that kind of thing. So there's this question, is Jesus the guy, the guy we've been waiting on, you know? And they were... They had a lot of expectations of what that guy would do. Some of them were right and some of them weren't, or some of them were mixed, you know, just like how we are when we try to see God moving. And in the book of Mark, 
Jesus is starting to show them something that we need to see in the background of the things that are happening today, and that is this. This may seem like a well-duh to everybody, so bear with me. The idea that the Jewish God and the Jewish Messiah is the God of the universe, of everyone. And he saves the Jewish people who put their faith in him and everybody else who puts their faith in him. You see what I'm saying? Some people didn't have a grid for that. They were good with this. You see? He's going to save our little group. And then he's like, and everybody else. And they're like, and what? What was that part you just said? You see? God's doing more. And so that's, we're starting to see that coming out in this. And we'll talk more about it next week because the things that happened in that chapter kind of make. But you're in the middle of that story where all of a sudden you're like, you know, like in Mark 5, he's driving demons out of a guy who's not Jewish. Like he'd been healing a lot of people, which is cool. But then all of a sudden there's a demon-possessed guy who's kind of a rando, you know, and there's a whole thing going on there, and he's not Jewish, right, you know? So you're like, okay, this works outside of our little box we made for you, God, you know? And then last, year, last week you see him, he's healing, he's not even healing in like religious places, he's just healing in the marketplace, which to Jewish, there was like, that's not the place we do that kind of stuff, it's unclean. I mean, I will say, after Bree showed some, like, confession, I'm not good at being a fan of anything, okay? Like, this is like, so I like things like everybody else, but being a fan, like, I'm a fan of that, and I, you know, know what's going on. Like, I grew up like every kid in the 80s. I love Star Wars. Of course you did. But, like, I haven't seen a lot of the Star Wars stuff that's come out on Disney yet, you know? And it's not because I'm, like, against it. I just haven't gotten to it, you know? And I'm always like, eh, maybe some, you know? And so we watch one, and you know, so I'm not a good fan of Star Wars, though it's part of me <laughs> as an 80s kid. But, like, you see what I'm saying? And so, like, The Chosen had come out, and I'd never seen it, and it wasn't like I was against it. Like, I had no stance. It wasn't like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have anything. I was just like, well, I don't know. I just haven't ever clicked on that when it was there, you know. But after Bree showed some clips last week, I was like, man, I should watch this. So I started, we watched a little of it, and I was like, this is really cool. And um, I have no idea why I was, oh, yeah. So (laughs) in the first episode of the very first season, this subject starts to come up because they go to the one, the one of the chief rabbi guys and do like, "Hey, we need you to help this demon possessed lady." He's like, "I can't go that part of town, like I'm I have like religious things and this is break that would mess those up, you know." And it helps us to see because we don't think like this, like we're Americans, 21st century. We don't think with all these rules and stuff. These guys lived in a different world than we did, you know. And we don't hear that like, and, and this is a little bit midrashic. I mean, like that story's not in the Bible, but it's, you know, that kind of stuff was the kind of stuff they're dealing with. And it helps us see the world these people were living in. They're like, hey, we need you to come help this girl. And he's like, I kind of can't. I mean, I will, but you have to understand what you're asking me to do, you know? And so Jesus is healing people in the marketplace. And they're like, you don't do that. You know, we would go, that's fine. That's Jesus stuff, right? And they go, yeah, but the (laughs) <laughs> you should know that that's weird, you know. And so that was happening last week, and then, and then now this week he's starting to get criticism. So we're going to look at this. The, um, he's running in against the grain of the religious people of the day. Okay? Verse, or chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees, who are like the religious teacher guys, right, had come from Jerusalem and gathered around Jesus. And saw some of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So they had these rules like, you've got to purify yourself in all these different ways. And they weren't doing that, you know. 
The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Okay? So Jesus, is, Jesus and his guys kind of skipped that part. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked, why don't, your, why don't your disciples live according to the, to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Jesus replied, quoting the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That's bad. Remember I said about like encountering, you don't want Jesus to say that to you. <laughs> You're like, what? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Don't raise your hand. But have any of you met Christian people that live like that? Do some of us feel like maybe we've been this person? You know, talk is cheap, guys. Talk is cheap. That's, this is what Isaiah is saying. Their teachings are merely human rules, which means there's such a thing as God rules and such a thing as human rules. And these religious leaders were teaching human rules. That's a problem. And then he says this, you've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the human traditions. So he's like, now you've even, like you're, you've taught so many human rules, you've left behind the God rules that you were even basing them on. You've gotten in yourself into a weird town. And he's like, it's not my, it's you guys that have done this, you know. Um, verse 9, and he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. There's an exclamation point in my Bible here, which means that he was exclamationing, you know. Is an exclamation point as bad as a period in a text these days? So an exclamation point means we're happy. This is not what this means. See, that's why we have to translate this. Jesus is not, this is an unhappy exclamation point. Would this be all caps? Is that what this would be? Jesus is saying this in all caps. Lowercase period. Okay, if Jesus was texting this, he would text this lowercase with a period at the end. Because a period means that that's bad. Okay. So very bad. You observe your own traditions, period. That's why we've got to translate the Bible, guys, you know. <laughs> He's not happy in this thing. For Moses said, honor your father. And this is the thing. Here's his example. Here's his example of what, you, what these guys are doing. Verse 10. For Moses said, meaning in the Bible, honor your father and mother, which was in one of the Ten Commandments, you know, like the short list, right? And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. That's extreme, but that's in there, you know. But you say... That if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin, and then it says in here, that, parenthetically, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And then he says this, and you do many things like that. So this is just my illustration of the many things you guys are doing. Example being, you have an obligation by God to, care for your, to honor and care for your mother and father. And when somebody comes up and says, yeah, but I'm going to give this to, to, I've like committed this to God. And then they look at the situation, know what's going on. You're taking what should go to your mother and father to care for them and giving that to God in some sort of public way, like all this stuff, you know. And we go, we'll take that. 
and then let these people suffer. And Jesus is like, that's wrong, you know. And you're doing many things like that. I don't know what that is, but the list is obviously long enough that he's upset. And what I'm going to do today is we're going to quickly move through these three, th- the f- several points, and then we're going to come back and put them together again. It's not going to be one of those ones where we talk about each one a whole lot. What he's saying is that this is a human thing. We end up adding to what God wants, you know, and they, there's an indication of this about like the washing. Like there was some washing rules in the Bible. Like I want you, when you do these things, wash these things. And there's a ceremonial way, like it's important that you do it. And you remember God, when God has God rules, like don't touch the Ark of the Covenant of my presence. And we go, it's probably fine, you know, and then you die and you're like, why did he do that? He's like, well, he actually said, don't do that. Like, don't touch that. You know, and then there's other things where people, in, you know, assume God meant extra stuff, and then they find out he didn't. Jesus is dealing with lots of that assumption thing. So people are like, well, we're supposed to wash, but then if you're washing, then how are we going to wash? Well, maybe you need to wash. You, if you're going to help me wash, then you need to definitely wash your hands. And then if you, well, how do we know? Gosh, I mean, then you need to wash the, and that's what he said about like washing pitchers and vessels. It like keeps going. It's like, at what point does this thing stop? And they just kept adding and adding and adding to where people are like, why are we even doing this anymore? It's like, I don't know. It's based on the... It's just what we do. Like, it's what we're Jewish people. We do this. This is the stuff we do, you know. And don't hear this in my f- f- finger-pointing tone because it's going <laughs> to come back. The, uh, but we always look. It's like this. You, the way we behave as Christian people, how much of that is just from cultural pressure and how much of it is from the Lord? So I look good. I look really good giving my, all of this money to the Lord. In front of everyone. You're like, well, that money's supposed to go to take care of your parents. Da 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 da. Don't I look good? And they're like, yeah, you do. You know, that's really holy. That's really awesome. You know, that's really sacrificial. It was like, well, who's sacrificing me or them? You know what I mean? And so we can trick ourselves into this. And we can also be like, this is one of those weird things. We always want to be like, I don't do that. You know, but the the uh, the environment involves us all. You know, unless we're like Jesus, literally working against it. Because even passively accepting some of this stuff, we're all a part of it. You know, we end up, uh, we judge things by the outside. If you remember when we talked about, like, uh, Samuel's coming to anoint David as king, and he's like, he sees the first son, he's like, oh my gosh, this guy's great. That's obviously the guy. And God's like, no, it's not him, you know? And then, and he's like, you look at the outside. You guys always look at the outside. God looks at the heart. And this is what we're going to get into, okay? So it keeps going. Uh, We'll come back. We'll talk more. Um, remember talk is cheap and we don't want to just focus on the way things look in verse 14 he says again Jesus called the crowd to him and said he he wants everybody to get on this now first he's talking to the rabbis like hey guys and so Jesus says listen to me everyone and understand this nothing outside a person can defile them rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them okay that was a big distinction from the way they were thinking after he'd left the crowd, he entered the house, and his disciples asked him about the parable. And he says, are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Remember I talked to you about that overarching story about Jesus being not just for the Jews, but for everybody. This is some of the indication he's saying. What is like all foods clean? There were religious laws that God gave them to eat and act a certain way to separate them from everyone, right? And now Jesus sounds like he's saying, because it says here, parenthetically, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. It's the same thing that happens with Peter in the book of Acts. 
that they had thought, if I eat this, this will defile me, and I, you know, I will be defiled before God. And he's like saying, no, 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 it's not, that's not the point of this whole thing. You know, again, I'll explain this a little more in a minute, but you need to see this overarching story. There's this background theme that we can't overlook, that he's making the point that he's the God of all. But that was a challenge to them, you know. In, G- in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. He's going to explain the heart of it, the point of it. What comes out of a person is what defiles him or defiles them. For it is from within, is from within for, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And he says sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. That's a long list from inside. That's what defiles. So hold on to this. We're going to come back, okay? Because we're going to go to the next thing. Jesus... then Jesus leaves. So they, verse 24, I'll just keep reading. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. <laughs> Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a, was a Greek born in Syrophoenicia, Syrian Phoenicia, okay? That's important detail we'll get to in a second. So she's a Greek woman born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive a demon out of her daughter. Because again, Jesus is driving out demons and stuff. Verse 27, first let the children eat all they want. He told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Verse 29, then he told her, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child laying on the bed, and the demon had gone. So this is an interesting story, because you think of Jesus, like, Jesus is a really nice guy. Jesus is like, you know, I would want to, you know, we would just hug all the time. It would be great. I mean, like, we're buddies. You know, he's the cool, he's like nice to everybody, right? You know, and then you find this story, it's like, wait a minute, like, what did he just do? What did he just say to this lady? The lady who's got a demon-possessed daughter, and he called her a dog? Is that how this, you know... So here's the thing. Uh, first, I want to always remind everybody because the uh, I'm not going to talk about it so much because we've done it several other times. But there's, the subject of demon possession comes up a lot in the Book of Mark, and there's a great book I want to point everybody to again because I know you need to go check this out. You can check it out from the Jacksonville Library on audiobook for free and listen to it. So turn off a podcast or two and listen to this. For a day. It's not even that long. But Corey Ten Boom wrote this book, Defeated Enemies, and it's great because it talks about demon possession and dealing with that. And it doesn't make it like a spectacle because it isn't, but it is a real thing and you need to know about it. And this is one of the best books I've found on it personally. And you can listen to it for free if you have a Jacksonville library card or whatever. And I just highly recommend it. So you need to have a grid for some of this stuff if we're going to be a Christian person, if you're going to do, you know, any life in, you know, following Jesus and stuff. Because people like this will show up. There's, my daughter is demon-possessed, you know. But this is in here for more of a theological point and all this kind of stuff. Because uh, Jesus says something to her that is offensive. 
Like, I, I, you find people trying to be like, well, he wasn't, he wasn't offensive because he would, da, 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 like, there's not really any way around it. Like, what he said to her was offensive, but there's a whole point of the interaction that's going on. Some of the details that were in here, we imagine, I imagine, I don't want to put this on you, but, like, when I hear this story, I imagine this woman, this, like, desperate, dirty woman, this, like, desperate for anything, coming to Jesus, like, can you please help me? And he's like, you dog, get out of, you know, this kind of thing. And that's not the right story. Like, so if we were making The Chosen, I haven't seen this part, I don't know if it's in there, but like the, uh, this lady's Greek and she's Seraphonician and that detail is in there on purpose. She's not Jewish, that's one of the things you need to take from that. Again, the whole overstory that's going on. And she's rich. And we would call it now a colonizer, right? So she's living in a country that's like, this is not where she's from. They have come in to do stuff. Usually doing stuff means the people who are from there lose out, right? So she's there in that kind of, you know, I'm not saying she's bad, she's, I don't, we don't know anything about her, but I'm just saying in the situation of the world, she's not reaching up, she's reaching down, right? You know, that doesn't mean she oppressed or hated Jewish people, doesn't mean anything, but she's well-to-do and has options. She's, she's in a situation she can't handle though, and she's like, this guy, can help. So she comes down and says, hey, I need your help. Jesus responds with an interesting response. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, which is kind of like, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is coming here. He, remember what I said about the Jewish Messiah, right? That's what Jesus is. That's who he is. That's who he'll always be. Um, but there's this interesting principle that you see happening in the Bible. And it's, I mean, it doesn't go away at this point either. Paul references this kind of thing in Romans, like Romans 1.16. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So there's kind of an order there, right? And uh, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, I'm here right now. I'm doing this work among the people. And she's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I understand. I don't need a whole piece of bread here. All I need is a crumb. And what I hear in this is, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked to the woman. Jesus is on his way to, to uh, raise the girl from the dead, right? And then the other lady in the crowd that has the issue of blood, this was a couple weeks ago. She's like, I don't need all the attention. I don't need a whole thing. I don't even need to talk to the man. If I could just touch his, the hem of his, if I could just touch, that's all I'd need, just a touch, just a touch. She's a Jewish woman, though, and she's living under all these same rules, all these things. It's clean, like everything about what she said, I'm unclean, I make people unclean. If I touch people, they're unclean. If they touch me, like this whole thing, you know, but then she knows somehow if I just touch him, it's not the whole thing. He's on his way literally to do something else. His focus is elsewhere. And if I could just touch, and then it, it does happen. And it shows this reversal of all of these things that before, if you touch this, you touch a dead person, you touch this bleeding person, you become unclean because of what Jesus is doing. Now it flows the other way, that this unclean person becomes healed. Okay? You see the exact, and, but you have to have some sort of understanding of who this guy is to know that that's even possible. I'm not saying she totally got it, but she got it, okay? <laughs> at least at the end, she got it, you know? There was probably a risk. She might go, 
or I'll die. But here we are. You know what I mean? Like, that could have been in her mind. But she went for it, right? Over here, you got the same thing. This lady's not Jewish, right? Because she, and you see this in the interaction with Jesus, because I'm of the people, like, if, God, if Jesus is God, he knows what he's doing. He knows he's going to heal her. It's not like, well, no. Well, since you said a smart aleck response, all right. You know what I mean? It doesn't really work. He knows what he's doing. But he says something for her benefit, but then she reveals something for everybody's benefit. And it's something like this. If you're just another guy, and if you have one of those books, this is actually, all, this is actually in one of those notebooks that we have, the Mark books. If you have it, they, were, they said the same sort of thing on the other page. <laughs> you're just, are you just another guy doing things? You got, you know, you're the guy right now. You know, there was other healers. There was other gurus and people that could do things, you know. And he's saying, are you coming to me like I'm one of those guys? Just a guy who can do a thing for you? But her answer reveals that she's got an idea of who this guy might actually be. And that if you are <laughs> this Jewish Messiah that everybody's been talking about, then I don't need, I don't need a spell. I don't need your whole attention. I just need a crumb. Just like, I just need a touch. You see? It's like the same sort of thing going on. She's like, I don't need the whole thing. I just need a crumb. Because if you are that, that's all, this, that's all we need is just a crumb. And if you're not that, then this ain't, this, what's the point? This is all a joke, you know? And Jesus revealed, that's where he's like, you got it. Is that the king of the universe, the, Jew, the Jewish Messiah is king of the universe, a crumb is all you need. And you're gonna, we're really going to get into this a little bit next week when you start to see that Jesus feeds, like Bree was preaching last week, 5,000 people with not enough fish and bread and all that, you know? And you're going to see another, next week he does the exact sort of same thing. All of this is put in here on purpose. Just a crumb. It's all to say that when God is involved, <laughs> there's more than enough. And if you can't get past that, you're going to get offended when he's like, that's not right for me to give it to the dogs. You're like, okay, I'll leave, you know, or, you know, da-da-da, or... You're right. I guess I shouldn't. I, I don't know. You can get hung up in a lot of different ways, and I don't want to get stuck on being hung up. The point is understanding that if he is who he says he is, then there's always more than enough. So we don't have to worry, like, well, what about this? And what if, what if he get, does this over here? Then that means he doesn't do. He's like, this doesn't work that way anymore. He kind of breaks that for a good thing. And the other thing, Craig Keener said this about this, is that with God, a no isn't always a permanent no. You know, there's a lot of times, like, when, when God comes into the garden after the fall in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve have done sin, and it's ruined everything, and he comes in, and he's like, where are you? If you read that and go, geez, I guess God got confused and couldn't find them, it's like, that's not... <laughs> God often says things for our benefit, okay? And where are you? He says to other people, like, what is it you would like me to do for you, blind guy? And he's like... I want you to heal me, please. You know, it's not like it goes, I wonder what's going on here. You know, <laughs> even we know that one. You know, the point is that he says things for our bit. And so in this one, you see a lot of that kind of interaction. That she's like, I really, Jesus, I really need you in my life. And he's like, really? How much? And things, you know, transpire from there. So, but you can't always like, well, you know, I did, I talked to God about it and, or I prayed and, I don't know, I guess it's over. It's like, well, don't, don't give up so easy. So, and then one last little story, and then we'll go back to all of this stuff. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon 
down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis, which was where the demonized guy was. There some people brought him, brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After he sh- took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, and he spit and touched the man's tongue, which sounds gross, but was kind of things people did then in a whatever. Um, he looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephathah, which means be opened. And at, at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. It's always good to look at the kind of prayers Jesus prays when he's praying for people. This one is, be opened. All right, pretty clear. Just take a note of that. So the guy could hear now, and he could speak plainly. Two things fixed, you know, related, but two things. And then Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But, there, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it, and the people were overwhelmed in amazement. He's done everything well, they said about Jesus. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So, like, Jesus is like, hey, guys, don't tell anybody. But they're like, and they tell everybody, you know. And uh, um, I do, I mean, little rabbit trail side note. There's a lot of people that talk a lot about healing and, do, and pray and do a lot of healing, you know, in services and stuff like that. And I, I think that this kind of thing, when you start seeing Jesus do this, I mean, just, just look probably half the stuff people claim about Jesus, God doing healings and stuff is fake, all right? So just know that. And we've talked about that before. That's not the problem. The problem, I think, is the spectacle nature of things because a lot of these services, the way they do this is God does heal people. Like, we all know that, you know? But what they'll do is they'll have these guys that, like, interview people that are coming forward, and if they, you know have some sort of fantastic, they're like, all right, we'll bring you up on stage and show everybody. And the guy that comes up, he's like, well, I, I thought I needed prayer for cancer. But I was like, well, do you, are you better? Like, I don't know. He's like, are right, you go sit down then. This stuff happens. I, find I have a lot of problems with a lot of that. And a lot of it goes back to this. I know this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but you're going to have to bear with me because I think it's for your own benefit and hopefully mine. The, uh, God doesn't need our validation, all right? And a lot of this stuff everybody does isn't about even validating God. A lot of times we say it is. Like, well, we're giving God the praise, give him the glory. But really it's like, and us. Because who's the one who prayed for him? You know what I mean? Meanwhile, you see Jesus saying like, hey, like, you know what? I'll do it, but don't tell everybody about it, you know? And I think he obviously knows they will. But he's not like, <laughs> you know, it's almost like you, everybody knowing about it, you know, makes my life more complicated. You know what I mean? And you see that throughout. So I think that some of this parading that we do as a church, especially um, in certain parts of the church, is something we shouldn't do, okay? Um, end of rabbit trail. So how do all these things tie together, and what is the point that we need to see from this? I think uh, the simple way I would say this is that there's a lot of ways in which our traditions, and when I say our, I'm talking about even Christian people here, church traditions, our religious traditions, the things we do to relate to God can actually make us deaf and speaking with a speech impediment, and maybe in the worst versions, even demon-possessed. Yet, we think we're righteous. Contrasted to other people that know they're messed up. Did you hear what I'm saying right here? So we're deaf to, the, to God's word. When we talk, it's messed up. 
And the worst of us, or the worst parts, is demon-possessed. Yet we think, good to go. Because I've got the right human rules in place in my life, and I look good, or whatever, you know. Not all of us care about looking good, but that kind of thing. Then there's other people that are like, I'm messed up, and you're the only one who can help me. This group gets rebuked. This group gets healed. We always only want to be in this group, okay? But it's sneaky. This is the problem. When it's the Jewish people 2,000 years ago in a culture that we're not a part of, you go, look at that. How could they live this way? Who does this? Why would they even care? But when you start to see it in our context, like the things that we care about, you start to go, oh, maybe I, hmm. And I, I thought about depicting this a lot of different ways, and all of them were offensive, and, you know, so we're not going to go there. Because I don't want to just, well, you end up like, you know, <laughs> we end up all just leaving offended, and there's no point, because like there's a lot of reasons to do any one thing. Two people could do the same thing, one of them is doing a good thing, and one of them is not, okay? And so if you go through and just like, you know, cherry pick a list, and every, so I just deleted all the lists. It doesn't matter, okay? Because we're all going to do things, and we're all going to mess these things up, and it doesn't really matter anyway, because Jesus is the one that's saving and healing and redeeming. As long as you know that. This is the point. Because here's the thing. That first group, this is the lie. This is the big lie of this whole thing. That the purity that we want is coming from within. Or the things that I do. And the defilement comes from the outside. Meaning, I'm good. Some of us ultimately think, like, me actually is good. Like, me by myself is good. That's... That might be the demonic group. But like the, uh, most of us would be like, well, I'm a Christian, right? So I'm good, right? And I need to keep the defilement outside of me, right? Like, I, I, like this thing touches me, now I'm defiled. The defilement's from out here. And Jesus is saying, the defilement's here. Because there's this tricky thing. What, what we can do is, and again, I deleted the list, so fill in the blank, all right? Because I do it too, all right? It's not just you guys. It's all of us. And we all do it for different reasons. Some of it's to look good in front of other people. I want other people to think I have my life together. And most, some people don't care about that, but they go, I want to feel like I'm good or da-da-da-da-da, you know. So you're going to have to, if, if you want to be free, you got to do the work on this one. you got to actually hear what Jesus is saying. I can't name it all, Okay. You, the self-righteousness <laughs> is this idea that me and my behavior is good and makes me right, and they and them and what they're doing defiles me when they touch me with it. And I need to stay away from that because I don't want to be defiled by them or by it, Okay? which gives me all the credit. Jesus doesn't even have to be involved, first off. You know, gives me all the credit, and it allows me to blame everybody else for everything wrong I do. That's the real problem. The real problem is that I can now blame them for everything. It's their fault society's messed up. It's their fault my life this way. It's their fault this, 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 and this. And I can keep going, and then I get deeper into this thing. 
I am righteous before God. I am living this way. I am, you know, and you're, all we're doing is this claiming our holiness before God. And Jesus is going, it's inside you. It's inside you. It's like indwelling sin is a term a lot of you hear in the church. It's like it's in there. The more you try to push it away and blame it on other people, he's like, it's inside you. That's why he gives you a pretty long, he gives us all a pretty long list. In Romans, you see this. Because the truth is this, that the purity only comes through Jesus. And we all know that, but we need to, like, know that. Do I have a second slide? What is the, the no, not the, yeah. Jesus alone is where purity comes from. Which, again, is like a, uh, well, duh, but, we, but our culture, the way we treat each other, the way we act can mess that up to where we start performing for each other and for ourselves into how holy we are and blaming everybody else for the things, you know? And this isn't Christian. It's, it's probably at worst demonic, but at best it's giving us deafness to the word of God and in speech impediment when we talk. And Jesus wants to set us free. And I want to be free from that. I don't want to live like that. And I, we need to help each other not do that. Romans says it this way. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9, that, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the whole thing. You can either keep claiming your rights against God and or your rights against everybody and living this lie, or you can come at him and say, I messed up. My daughter, like, my daughter is in a messed up situation and I need help. Or this guy, they're like, hey, our friend, he's messed up. You know, and it's not like this isn't a one-for-one, one, like that all these things were a result of sin or something like that, but you get the point I'm trying to make. Jesus is coming to set us free. And what's weird in this story, and it's supposed to be on purpose is that the Jewish people are the ones struggling with this self-righteous thing in this context. And the people in this chapter that are coming desperate are Gentile people. And that's in there on purpose. And it's not to say all Jewish people, you know, it's not like that, but it's to say the, the best application for us today would be the rebuke in this is to the Christian people. Okay? To us, the church people. And the hope is to anybody that wants to come like an outsider. Which is honest. Because <laughs> this isn't honest. It might even be well-meaning. And it might be based on things that you got, like they handed you the book. And they called it Christianity. Said following God looks like this. And it was a bunch of, as Jesus says, human rules. And you followed them all. Because your parents told you, or that's what you got, you know. So it's not like these guys go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make up a bunch of human rules to ruin everyone's life and make it really hard for them to encounter God and know what he's doing when, he, when the Messiah shows up. That's what we should do. All right, let's do that, guys. No one does that. No one has ever done that. No one would do that. But the human nature in this whole in interaction with God puts us in a place where we start doing stuff like that. And we have to be broken out of it by Jesus, the only one who can save us. And then you come and say, help me, I need help. And John and I have talked a lot about this because like in places like AA, people come like this. I need help. 
And like, if you walked into a room of an AA and we're like, <laughs> you guys are a bunch of alcoholics, they'd be like, yeah, that's why we're here. Like, but it would, you know, if you came to a Christian, be like, or a church, be like, you guys are a bunch of sinners. <laughs> We'd be like, whoa, 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 buddy, calm down with that. You know, I'm blessed and ridiculous. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference in the, we got to get over here. And I'm not saying that we identify and like, you know, Jesus does redeem us and all this kind of thing, but it's not us that does any of it. As soon as we start to go, and I deserved it, or and I earned it, or and I human rules, whatever, you know, that's when you start, the whole thing breaks down. And then Jesus is coming and rebuking. He's inviting us to come back to this, not to live in, not to, Justin, you guys can hold on, not to live in our sin or glorify our sin or any of that sort of thing. There's that funny thing where, uh, uh, let me see, I have this first. Because you can always get hung up in these things. Because it gets, you, the only way to talk about them is to talk about things people do. You know, and even Jesus gives an example. And he's like, yeah, I'll do a whole lot of other stuff like that. But he still gives an example. And you can get into these places where you're like, you know, you either try to go, well, preacher guy didn't say my example, so I'm all good. Or, you know, what are you trying to say if we do this? And I'm like, no, you see what I mean? And so Paul encountered this in Romans again. Because he's talking about sin and needing to be saved from sin, and Jesus being the only one who saves us from sin, and you can't earn it. You can't make your way there. You can't human rules your way there. And he's laying that out, and he knows the argument. People come back and be like, okay, good. So you, you see this in uh, 6, one, verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? This is kind of sarcastic he's doing. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means, with an exclamation point. That one would be in all caps, probably. <laughs> we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So there's this idea. Okay, well then, I'm not going to try to live righteously. I'm not going to try to get sin out of my life. I'm not going to try to respond to this gift of salvation that Jesus gives me with anything. Because I want grace to abound more in my life. Right? Paul, he writes back, that's stupid what you just said. The point isn't that we don't change our lives. We do, but the reason is why. Like Tim Keller always says, God doesn't accept you because you've made yourself righteous. We, 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 we purge the sin out of our lives because God has already accepted us. You know, he didn't say to this, you know, this, this deaf guy who's not of the people of God, he didn't go, well, all right, go home, study the Torah for a little while, say these things, get some purity stuff, and then, you know, once you've made yourself right, all right, we'll do it, you know. He just does it. Or the other guy that was demon-possessed a couple weeks ago, he has nothing he can work with, and he just does it, you know. But then he tells that guy, go back and tell everybody what I did. Your life's different now, and it should be different. You should live different. We all should live different. People should be able to look and go, what's, what's different about you? How can you love these people that aren't lovable? How many of us know some not lovable people in our lives? This is the kind of stuff we can do to shine the light into a dark place. It's like, I feel like I have to hate this person. And then they're going, how are you not? Hold on to that one. You might need it in the next 12 months. Romans 2.9 says this, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. <laughs> yeah, okay. This whole thing, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, might be like, this sounds kind of weird to my ears. Paul 
Paul doesn't like drop this, you know? But it's not all just fun and games. And that like, Jewish people are awesome, everybody else is a second class citizen. It's not like that. He's talking about like that there's been a message and a covenant these people have been carrying for the sake of everybody else. And God's kind of holding them and then by extension to us through Jesus to a higher standard that we are now called to carry this message for the sake of other people, you know? And he holds us to a higher standard now. You can't just claim ignorance. In Romans 2.9, he says this, there will be great trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. So not just good stuff, right? First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But then glory and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. So I think God is, the main thing is that from this, is that God is rebuking of those of us who want to act or think that we're good. But he's offering healing to any of those that are willing to just admit that we're messed up, you know. So let's stand. Kayla's going to lead us in a song. And if you need prayer, we're going to have a prayer team in the back corner that you can have prayer for. For this or for anything related to what I'm talking about or anything else, anything in your life you need prayer for. And if you need to spend some time with God um, at the altar here, which is this front area, you can come and spend time. Some of you may say, you know what? You're right. I haven't been living a life. I haven't. I don't know. I, I, I know that I've done wrong things in my life and I haven't found any way to get away from them or any way to get better. And you're saying Jesus can make me new. I'm saying yes. And some of you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart and be set free from this. And those of us that have known God for a long time need to really search our heart to think of, are, are there places where we're trying to make ourselves clean through human rules, which are hurting our ability to live for God, maybe ultimately. So Father, I pray against self-righteousness. I pray against a religious spirit in this place. I pray that you would set us free you say you came to set the captives free, and that includes those of us that have grown up in your church and have tried and have followed you all of our days, Lord. I pray that you would set us free as well. Help us to not live by human rules, but by your your rules and in your kingdom and as your as your followers, Lord. And I pray for your uh, Holy Spirit to move through this place, bring salvation to all those that are lost. And Father, I pray that you would help us to. Um, be willing to amongst each other and in front of you admit we are messed up but we know that you are the healer and you are the one that makes us right in jesus name amen